sure. I appreciate you acknowledging it anyways. Bless your hearts. We're so glad you're here this morning. It's good to see all of you. It's great to be together this time of year. Amen. Amen. We, love, we love being in church and being a part of God's family. Um, especially during this time of year, it seems like a lot of people like to hear about us, who we are, what we are. They want to hear from us. They like to hear and know what we're going to do. So today we're going to just work a little bit, because this week is centered on the word joy, we're going to talk about joy in partnership in the gospel. Because in this chapter of Acts, there's a lot of really good stuff pointing to why Paul does what he does. So as we start this chapter, I want to start with the end of it and basically work backwards. And there's, you'll see the reason why shortly. But chapter 20 is unique in that Luke is giving a, a synopsis or a whole storyline of the third missionary journey of Paul. He's getting to where that, Paul's getting to the end of his journeys to where that eventually he knows he has to get to Rome. And as he's getting there, this is the, Paul's last journey with the sole purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world around him. That's what it's all about. As we will see, there are places that are very special to Paul, but even more incredible to me is how special Paul is to all of the churches that he started. And it's, and it's amazing to see how he trained the leaders in such places to continue the ministry in each of their local communities. So we're going to look at chapter, if you want to, we're in Acts chapter 20, there's uh, Bibles underneath the seats in front of you if you don't have one with you. And please, if you don't have a Bible, feel free to take that one with you. If you would even like a new one of those, we do have lots of new ones. Let one of us know. Anybody with the badge can find them for you, especially the greeters. They can find Bibles for anybody who would like to take one. So we're going to start with, uh, chapter, with verse 35 in chapter 20. Because Paul says, In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner... You must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is taken from the words of Jesus in the sixth chapter of Luke. And no, today is not about a tithing message. We're not going to talk about that kind of giving. Because the kind of giving that Paul was talking about in this is more about giving of ourselves. He is talking more about giving in ways that are going to make an eternal an eternal impact on people's lives. This is the complete theme of chapter 20. Luke gives us the rundown and ending remarks of Paul at the end of his last missionary journey because he wants us to see and hear and know that even in the three journeys that Paul took, Paul was teaching to the very end. Now, in the middle of this section, like I said, we're working from the bottom up. In the middle of this, this section of scripture in the chapter 20, there's a very interesting story in verses 7 to 12. And it's a bit of a break from the report of the ending of the journey. It's not just about the places and the times and the people that they talk to. But it shows that Paul has a message to the disciples who were gathered in a city of Troas. And in fact, he was so intent on delivering his encouragement to the people who were gathered there that as he was preaching past midnight, a young man named Eutychus, 
was listening and sitting in a windowsill. Many of you know this story. According to verse 8, there were many lamps in the room, and the room was very comfortable. And it tells us that Paul was preaching, uh, as Paul was preaching, the young Eutychus was overcome with sleep. I know that never happens in our church. And in fact, in fact, he fell three stories down to the ground, and in verse 9 it says he was picked up dead. Then in verse 10 it says that Paul went down, fell upon him after embracing him and saying a prayer. It said, Paul looked up to his family and says, do not be troubled, for his life is in him. Luke was reminding us at this time of the healing power of the spirit of Jesus Christ and how the Holy Spirit is. Now, Paul, keeping with his thought of encouraging the disciples there, talked with them a long while until daybreak and then left. Hey. Now, Pastor Jeff, nor myself, or Pastor Rod or Josh would ever take um, this has license to keep you here till midnight. It is an interesting thought, however. But it could be a lesson for all of us to not fall asleep in church. That might be a good idea. The title of today's message is basically Joy in Partnership of Sharing the Gospel. Today is the third Sunday of Advent. The third candle of Advent symbolizes joy. I'd like for Josh and Jenna to come on up and light that third candle. As we continue to approach Christmas Day, it is possible that our joy grows more and more. The third candle takes us back to the joyful anticipation of the shepherds who journeyed to see Jesus in Bethlehem, even before the wise men came. On this third Sunday of Advent, which is the church calls Godet Sunday, or meaning like rejoicing and praise, uh, we light the third candle and rejoice like the shepherds. And it is pink because that is the liturgical color for joy in the church. And it is, however, called the shepherd's candle, uh, representing the joy that they experienced as the angel said to them. And it's from the book of Luke in chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. He says, appears to them. And, and I love this. The angel appears to the in heavenly host and he says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Thanks, guys. And that's a candle that we want to remember, and there is a reason for them all being different colors. Each candle represents a different week and a different episode in the month before Jesus came, and that's what Advent is all about. And however, in Acts 20, it even gives testimony to Paul's joy in sharing the good news with the world and in teaching and encouraging companions who were leaders in every city he went to. The main part of my message today is in verses 3 through 6. And we saw last week how Pastor Jeff had, had described everything going on in the, in the town of Ephesus, in the city of Ephesus. And in fact, there had just been a big uproar for a specific reason. The court 
clerk of Ephesus had to dismiss a crowd who were about to attack Paul and his companions for interrupting the commerce of selling idols dedicated to the goddess of Artemis. We know that in the city of Ephesus it had the biggest, it's one of the seven wonders of the world because the Colosseum there holds over 120,000 people. And that's where they would meet to, to do their worship of the false gods. And we read in 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 1, where it tells us that Paul had a meeting with the disciples of Ephesus, and then he left for Macedonia. Now, Macedonia is a country back then, all into itself. Now it's considered northern part of Greece. But back then it was a country all by itself. It's about 425 miles by land. So when we read that it says to us, yeah, they went and left for Macedonia. Oh, that's great. They went a couple blocks down the road or maybe a half a mile or so. No, we're talking a travel time of 425 miles. That's some serious dedication to sharing the gospel, wouldn't you say? It's just phenomenal to think of how many miles that they would have walked. This verse then shows us that Paul had the love that he had for his disciples who were in Ephesus. It's possible for you to read about this very time in Paul's journeys um, in the book of 2 Corinthians because it was in Macedonia as they got there that he actually wrote the, book, the second letter to the Corinthians. So you can actually read in chapters 8 and 9 especially how Paul talks about his time in Ephesus. So people ask me a lot, they say, how do they know that all of these things happened in the time of the Bible? Because each of the letters of Paul especially, they have different incidences of when Paul was in another city. And Paul then would relay to the Corinthians, to the Galatians, the Philippians, all of them about events that happened to him while he was on his travels. What we need to know and what we wish to know is that while Paul was traveling, what was the response of the people he visited? Now we've seen a lot of, of incidences where that the people have um, not quite agreed with things Paul was saying. In fact, they disagreed so much that they wanted to kill him. And it always came down to that he was interrupting their lifestyle of greed. When Paul was working and, and when he was traveling, and I love how when he was traveling amongst them, his mind was fixed, not just on the opportunity to share the gospel in the next town, but also on the new Christians that he met and who followers who became followers of Jesus Christ who needed encouragement, affirmation, and sometimes loving correction. This was also a very productive and important time in his ministry. And as you look in references in all of those letters like Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, we discover that some of his most refined theological passages uh, that have blessed Christians through the ages were written during this period of travel and trouble and trial. Now, as we look at chapter 20, it would be very easy for us to look at, those, at these verses and say, you know what, this is just a simple description 
of the travel plans of Paul in his third missionary journey. And that would be true if it were not so specific, if Luke had not been so specific in some of his detail. We do know that, that Luke was a Greek and he was a doctor. He was a very well-educated man. So as he wrote the Gospel of Luke and as he wrote the book of Acts, he was very detailed in making sure that as he wrote at the, in chapter one of both of those books, he said, I wish to give you the truth, O Theophilus. He wanted for people to understand some of the most truthful content of the acts of Jesus Christ. And then when he, that was in his gospel, then when he wrote the book of Acts, he wanted to get accurate descriptions of everything the apostles were doing during this time. Now, in the book of Acts, we will see many times that he refers to we were traveling this and we went there, we were that. And that tells you that Dr. Luke was actually with Paul all the way through the, all of the events that happened in the book of Acts. So as we look at this passage in Acts 20, we see that while he was en route to Macedonia, he traveled through the cities where he had previously planted churches in the past. Churches like Smyrna and Thessalonica and Pergamum, and Thyatira and Philippi, Berea and Derbe. That's just to name a few of them. So if you ask why Luke works to mention some of Paul's companions in verse 4, let me catch you up, because this is the important part. In verse 4 of the 20th chapter, it says that, And he was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica. He was accompanied by Gaius from Derbe, Timothy from southern Galatia, Tychicus and Trophimus from Asia. See, that, to us that just seems like, oh, that's really neat that all these guys were from all these places. Why is that so important? These men had been with Paul for almost a thousand miles of travel. It's believed they were carrying offerings from their respective churches to, for the church in Jerusalem where Paul, after going through Corinth, would eventually end his journey. By the way, as Paul was in Corinth to encourage and strengthen the church there in Corinth, he took the time to write a little letter called the Book of Romans at the same time, which is one of the most prolific books of the New Testament for the Church of Jesus Christ. And as his traveling companions witnessed Paul in ministerial action, it was their love for their founding pastor of their individual churches that kept them with him. They wanted to walk and talk with Paul as much as they could. They wanted to be around him. You know, he was the reason that they came to Christ and the one that God used to help them continue and get stronger in their newfound faith. I can picture them as they traveled together asking their teacher questions like, what do we do in this situation in church? Or how about, what happens when somebody does this in church? <laughs> I can just imagine all of us traveling with Paul going, hey Paul, can we ask you another question? There's some things you said that are a little weird. Could we ask about some of those? 
And no, I am not going to say any of them here. But it would be an amazing thing to stand and talk with the Apostle Paul about, why didn't you give up? You were stoned 12 times. You almost died three times. You got whipped. You got cheated. You got dragged through the city. And yet you kept going. And Paul's answer would always be the same. Because if I didn't do it, it would cause me grief. See, sometimes the desire to share the gospel of Jesus Christ is so heavy upon us, so deep within us, that to get joy in our lives, we want others to know what we have found. Their loyalty is a testament of how wherever Paul went, he developed strong church leaders, strong disciples, and train them to continue to build more disciples for the continuing spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was his joy. Then we find in verses 13 to 16, we find the travel routes that Paul chose to take to get to Miletus, which is 30 miles south of Ephesus. Now, he could have gone back the same way by land that he did, but he chose not to because he knew that he needed to get to Jerusalem in time for the day of Pentecost. And this is significant for this reason. Once he got to Miletus, he was only 30 miles south of Ephesus. 30 miles away, like from here to Long Beach, I would say. And then he realized, wait a minute, I really want to talk to them again. So in his haste to get out of Asia and, and the coast there that he was in Ephesus, he decided to change his mind to see his friends in Ephesus one more time. So he sent, it says that he sent for the Ephesian leaders in, in verses 17 to 31. And we see that as he gathered them together, he informs them that he will not, they will not see his face again. Which brings kind of sorrow. Then as always, as always what he says in everything, as he's encouraging and he's working with them, please understand and know this, that perverse men from among you will try to change your minds. Sounds like something from 2023, amen? Everybody's trying to change our minds on who we know and how we know that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. Then in verse 32, they received the strongest commission that any believer could receive. And dear family, for all of you that call on the name of the Lord, this commission is for you as well in verse 32. It says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. How many of us feel sanctified in our walk with the Lord? That's a hard word to, to hear and think about. Because the Lord's will is that we become all that he intended us to be. I didn't hear an amen. The Lord's will is that we become all that he intended us to be. Amen. There you go. 
His grace is for our growth. See, sanctification means holiness. So none of us feel holy. It's hard for us to feel holy because when we look in the mirror, we see us, don't we? We see who we really are. And I can't look in the mirror and think, you're holy. Yeah, because the other side of me will laugh. And it, there are times when I, trust me, I don't feel driving on the freeway, guys. I very rarely seldom feel holy. It's very hard to feel holy on the freeway. But it's amazing how holiness means belonging to the Lord and being remade in his image continually. An ongoing thing, something that happens while you live and breathe every single day. The word saint also has its root in the word holy. It means to be set apart, to be called, to be chosen, or belonging to the Lord Jesus himself. His purpose for us is that we grow intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. For all those who call themselves Christ followers, we should all be reminded always that we are all meant to be grown-up saints. To be a saint doesn't mean that I'm perfect. To be a saint doesn't mean that you're always going to hear the, the kindest and, and most glorifying words out of my mouth. To be a saint means that I'm chosen, that I'm forgiven, and that I walk with every day with God. And when I fall down, when I mess up, it's the fact that I get back up that makes God smile. Because you see, we can't be perfect. It says to us later on in the book that until we see him, that's when we will become perfect. And we should also remember that the word of his grace that Paul shares in that verse shares as the secret of sanctification. The unmerited, unchanging, forgiving love of the Lord. That love that enables us to own the failures of our past. Then disown them because of the Lord's tender mercy and unwavering grace. Then we get to move on to the next step of growing stronger in our walk with God every day. That's how it works. It's a day-by-day -day journey that keeps going. Then in verse 35, Luke records the last words of Paul to the disciples who were there. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It involves giving ourselves and what we have to help others discover what we have found. Amen? Because actually it is blessed both to receive and to give. Because, my dear friends and family, we cannot give away what we have been unwilling to receive. Amen? It's a hard thing to do. Spiritual maturity is a continuing process of being filled with the Lord's Spirit. 
The more we receive of him, the more we have to give of what people around us really need. Love, forgiveness, and lasting care. The final scene in verses 36 to 38 ends with Paul and the elders praying together on the seashore. Paul had been a dynamic teacher and preacher, but he'd also been a very caring friend. A reminder that the title of this message is Joy in Partnership of Sharing the Gospel. Because a couple of questions come to mind at the end of Acts chapter 20. What was the drive in Paul to continue to see the disciples in Ephesus even though he knew he was about to be killed there? The answer was the joy he felt in watching them grow in their faith. See, it was that joy that kept the drive going. You know, we talk about, Pastor Jeff and I both, we talk about golf sometimes. And see, golf is an interesting game because you lose it a lot. I mean, you never hit the ball the same twice in a row. Don't ask me why that is. It just always happens. Well, to me anyway. And when we're golfing out there, you've, you get to a point where you've hit so many bad shots, you say, I'm going to quit. That's it. I'm done. I'm over this. I can't do it anymore. Right? And those of you that have been part of golf, you know that this happens. And then what happens, the very next shot you take is this miraculous, straight, long shot that goes perfect and everything else. And you know what my friends always called that was the comeback shot. Just to remind you, you still love the game. You just forgot a little bit that you do. You see, the same works when you're sharing the joy of the Lord with somebody who doesn't know it. Because people get to a point to where that we see Jesus, we hear the message of love, we, that, but we don't see very many examples of that on the street. We don't see people who are actually doing it. We hear about pastors who are out to make money, not really do anything for eternally for God. So therefore, I'm not going to go to church because it's phony. Or when I go to church, all they do is talk about money and I don't want to hear about money all the time. The fact of the matter is, dear family, is that when we as representatives of who Jesus Christ really is and we walk out of this building and we go onto the streets, it's easy to be kind, gentle, loving, and caring inside of here, isn't it, with all of you? Very simple. But when we get out on Monday through Saturday and things happen around us, it changes, doesn't it? It gets kind of ugly sometimes. It gets to where that people say and do things to you and the inside of your brain goes to a place that you don't really wish to go to. Even the Apostle Paul in the, ninth in the sixth chapter of Acts, I'm sorry, in the 16th chapter of Acts, when he says to people, he says, in some of the books he says, I do the things I don't want to do. Why is it that I change? Why is it that I cannot do those things that I wish and the very things I don't want to do, that is what I do. And at first that really confused me and then I realized, that's me. There are times when I do and act and do things later on with people around me who I know need to know who Jesus really is. And yet I've shared a part of me that I really do not want to. 
So here's where we are. When we ask about what was the drive that Paul had, he had the joy and felt in watching them grow in their faith. Here's, a, here's another question. Why did Paul continue to return and encourage and teach those who he had been with the past three years? When he was not sure that they had accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, that they came to the knowledge of who God is. We don't know, but he kept going back to find them and talk to them again. Well, here's the answer. It was the joy that Paul felt as he saw the look on their faces that while he was teaching, when all of a sudden they got it. I don't know if you've ever been on the side when, when you're sitting here trying to tell somebody something and then all of a sudden you can see in their eyes a little light bulb goes on. And all of a sudden, oh, now I understand. How special that is for those who teach the word of God, who those who are disciples, those who are family and friends of those who are searching. See, you don't have to have ministerial degrees to share the love of Christ. Amen? Guys, you don't have to be ones that went to Bible college to learn how to witness for Jesus. Because you think about the blind beggar who got, got his eyesight. He got pulled before the high court of Jerusalem. And they said, tell me this. Did he do this to you? Did he share with you the theology? Did he make you... And the guy just goes, wait, 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 wait. I don't know all of that. Here's all I know. Once I was blind... And now I see. See, he didn't know anything other than what he knew. He didn't know anything other than the fact that here's where I was and here's where I am now. Ladies and gentlemen, that's you. You don't know everywhere that everybody around you is. You don't know the, 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 every detail of everybody's life in this building but you know your own. And when you know your own, all you can do with that is say, once I was blind, but now I see. Amen? Amen. Because you cannot share that which you do not have. And what you have is your own story. It is time for us to be the us, the you, that God intended for you to be. He never intended for you to be a Jeff Lee or a Bill Nelson or Josh Espinosa. He didn't design everybody to be the same. And all of you are saying, thank God for that right now, I know. <laughs> because every one of us are so different that there are people that only each of you can reach that I never could. I grew up in the streets of Long Beach and I did things when I was younger and, you know, my heroes are the ones who lived the life of Christ from the day that they were born because they had the parents who taught them how to be those kinds of people and still come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in such a manner that they're sharing, that they love people that much. All I can share is, guys, I was not a very nice person. And it was God who reached down in the gutter and pulled me out. That's all I can share. There are those of you that share that, no, my God's been watching over me my whole life. There's those of you like me that have shared later and earlier. But guess what? There are others in the world that need to hear you. Amen? Amen. 
They need to know what, how it is that God's grace came to you. They need to know that God's grace came to you in such a way that it meant more to you than to anything else. And you don't care what anybody around you says because you know who Jesus really is. You know the God of the universe. You know the creator who called out and said, hey, guess what? Even if you were the only one on this earth, my son still would have went to that cross so you could be with me in heaven. See, that's the God that we serve. That's the, the Jesus Christ, the son of God that we serve, who came down and said, look, Lord, they're torturing me. I'm on this cross. I'm bleeding everything. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That's the gospel, because the Jesus that hung on that cross and died for your sins did so for the sole purpose that you could be with him in heaven. And when we get to heaven and on that day, when we stand before him and he looks at you and says, oh, your name is in the book of life. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. How we long for that day. There'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more diseases of every which kind of in your minds, bodies, and wills. We will be at a point where that we can just be at peace. And I tell you, that's what, we, that's what we wish to achieve. Do you know that each person that Paul met and talked to mattered to him? Each and every one of them. Do you have people in your lives that matter to you that don't know? Because as I say those words, family, there's people's faces and they're coming into your brain right now, aren't they? You're starting to remember so-and-so needs to know this, so-and-so needs to do this. And I've said this almost every time I've preached up on this stage. If at any time you get a thought in your mind I need to call so-and-so. I need to call my family. I need to call a friend. I need to call somebody that I know who doesn't know who Jesus is. And you hear in your mind, I need to call somebody. Please call. Because you have no idea what's going to happen, what is happening with them right at that specific moment. You have no idea what they're going through. You have no idea how important your call will be. So I would ask you, please, make that call. Share the love of God. Share the fact and use that drive that you have that one day they're going to thank you, praise, and praise God for your life because you're the one that actually showed them or told them the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, Acts 20 is not just about their details of the third missionary journey. It was also about the responsibility that was felt by everyone who called themselves a Christ follower. Everybody in the first century. They wanted everyone to know about the love of God in the way they knew God. So for all of you today hearing my voice and call yourself a Christ follower, I wish to ask you a question. Are there people in your life that you wish knew the love of God that you know? There is a way to be the you that God created you to be.
Read this book. Read God's word. Learn from it. Be part of a life group. Be part of those people around you that want to want to help share this word with you. Find ways to get into this, even if it's one small verse a day. Every time that you fill this in your mind, you take up a lot of garbage that's in there that doesn't need to be in there. By learning this, this is called lifestyle evangelism. Because as you be the, the you that God created you to be, you live your life by following Jesus' way and others will see it. And when they ask you why you are the way you are or who you are, how did you become like this? That panic moment that you have in your mind right then, you just say, Lord, give me the right words, please. Because every one of us are going to go, wait, I have to share the gospel. How do I do that? Because then God himself will reach down and fill words. Words will come out of your mouth that you did not know that you know. Simply because God wants them to hear what they need to hear. There's an old saying that goes something like this. When there is a common goal and a common purpose, even though the work at hand may be difficult, there is joy in the journey when with those people who are dear to you struggle alongside you. Amen? When you're working hard together and somebody's alongside you and praying with you and praying for you and saying, I have to talk to so-and-so or I have to talk to a family member and your brother or sister in this room says to you, hey, I'm going to pray for you that this gets done. Not only that, I'm going to pray to you that it happens between now and next week. Of course, then the panic in your eyes and the thought thinks, okay, God, when it does happen, you need to tell me what to say because that's what we do. If you need prayer today, I would like for you to, you can go to the back of the church and Pastor Jeff will be there. Some of the elders will be out there. Any of the men and women that you trust kindly would love to pray with you in this place at this time. Don't miss the opportunity to have prayer with a brother or sister that really cares about you. And they're full of, this room is full of them. This is the third week of Advent. And we each celebrate in different ways the joy of the season. I would ask Robin, I'd like to ask Robin to come on up. She's going to sing a song for us. And you may close your eyes and listen to the words. Because the song she's about to share with us is called The Breath of Heaven. It's a reminder of the thoughts that Mary may have felt in being chose to give birth to the Son of God. Questions in a young woman's mind that responsibility of bringing the Messiah of all mankind into the world must have weighed heavily on her heart. And as she shares this, this remember it was the joy that she experienced in knowing that God chose her just like you will know the joy that God chose you. Let's listen as Robin sings.
Help me. 
know for each one of us, it's that breath of heaven that God brings down to us that calls us to share with those around us. The joy that this season brings, the joy that he brings to us, this is the breath of heaven that he puts in every one of you. So I would ask if you would, just if you're able to stand with me, we want to say thank you for being here this week. It has been a blessed time. And uh, next week we do have our 10 o'clock service. It's Christmas Eve. It will be a, a joyous time of celebrating the birth of the Savior. Heavenly Father, this day as we just thank you for that breath that you have breathed into every one of us who call you our God. I would pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here who does not know that breath, who does not know what it means to have Jesus as Savior, they may not leave this place or leave this time on stream without acknowledging you as their Savior. May you walk with each one that is here this day. May your light shine upon everybody who's here. May you keep us safe until we are together again, Father God. And as we leave this place, may we be the light of Christ that everybody needs to know that the joy that comes from Jesus Christ is available to all. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.